I have to make one more correction about that last part, and that's when I wrote the fundamental theorem of calculus. I didn't say that f needs to be continuous. So it really should say let little f of x be any continuous function on the interval from a to b. Then you can have the uh, fundamental theorem result, which is an antiderivative of it evaluated at b minus that antiderivative at a, and that will evaluate the definite integral for you. So let's look at some examples. Let's practice this. Evaluate the integral from 0 to 2 of x cubed dx. So if you recall, we're calling this our little f of x. x cubed is definitely a continuous function from 0 to 2. And so then the antiderivative, sorry, an antiderivative of f is x to the fourth over 4 plus c. But this plus c and then minus c will add up to 0, so I really don't have to worry about that. So what I say, actually, is that this definite integral is equal to x to the fourth over 4. Then I use this notation to help me understand when x equals 0 to x equals 2. You'll recall this notation from the calculator such that x equals 0 to x equals 2. It's a way to tell you to start with the top number, plug it into x, and then subtract and plug the bottom number in. Now, it won't always work out that your second one is 0. Oops, this would be fourth power over 4. So all I did was plug in 2 for x. That's my, this is my capital F of B minus capital F of A. And when I simplify that, I've got 16 over 4 minus 0 which is 4. Now stop and think for a sec. Did you watch the videos from the last section? If so, you might remember this result. 4 coming from f of x equals x cubed from 0 to 2. It was the area between f of x equals x cubed, x equals 0, x equals 2, and y equals 0. And we used Riemann sums. It took quite a while to do this because we had to cube a binomial in order to get this result, if memory serves. So um, actually, 0 to 2 wasn't so bad, if memory serves, because it was when we had to do negative 2 that I had to cube a binomial. But still, it took longer than this did. So I, because f of x is non-negative from 0 to 2, this definite integral also represents the area between y equals x cubed, y equals 0, x equals 0, and x equals 2, and the result was 4 using the fundamental theorem. Now, we're going to do a lot more examples using the fundamental theorem, but I'll just summarize one more time. We take an antiderivative of x cubed is x to the fourth over 4. Add 1 to the 3 and divide by the new exponent. Then we evaluate that from 0 to 2, meaning plug in 2, simplify, then subtract what you get by plugging 0 into the same antiderivative. When you simplify, that gives you your definite integral. Now, in this case, the definite integral was also the area bounded by f of x equals x cubed, y equals 0, x equals 0, and x equals 2. So um, sometimes that'll be an area, sometimes it won't, and we'll find out when it is and isn't coming up. Okay, the next example, negative 2 to 2 x cubed dx. Do you remember that one? Let's see what we get. When you 
evaluate this using the fundamental theorem. You take an antiderivative of x cubed, and the easiest one to work with is the one that doesn't have c, right? So x to the fourth over 4, evaluated from negative 2 to 2. That means plug in 2, in for x, raise it to the fourth power, divide by 4, minus parentheses negative 2, in for x, to the fourth power, divided by 4. So we get, just like before, 16 over 4, which was 4, minus, but this time we have negative 2 to the fourth, which is also 16, because we have an even power of a negative number. So we have positive 16 over 4 again. So we have a positive 4 again. So now 4 minus 4 is 0. Do you remember all the work we went to cubing a binomial in order to get the result of 0 at the end? This gives us the same result without all that work. And the reason why it's 0 is because f of x is negative on the interval from negative 2. Let me see if I can get this right. Negative 2 to 0. And so if you try to evaluate this area using f of x, you're going to have negative y values. I didn't really go into details on that. I kind of let you discover that, and it mentions it in the homework. The y values are negative here, so the heights of your rectangles are negative, and that makes the whole thing that you're trying to find negative, even though you really want an area which is positive. So if you wanted an area, you'd have to take the opposite of this, and that would be 4 plus another 4, which would be 8. We're going to talk about that more this section as well. But if you're just evaluating an integral from negative 2 to 2, it's going to evaluate this like a Riemann sum would. It's going to make it negative. So this, this is the negative 4 that you're adding right here to the positive 4 from the 0 to 2 region. So the negative 4 adds to the positive 4, and you get 0. Now, the fundamental theorem just does it automatically, but that's really what's happening geometrically. And that's why if you just integrate from negative 2 to 2, notice these have to be the same, right? Same absolute value, negative 2 and positive 2. Or what about negative 3 and positive 3? Or negative 4 and positive 4? Wouldn't those also be equal but opposite areas that are going to add up to 0? I'll let you investigate that yourself, plus we're going to have a result coming up. So with an odd function, origin symmetry, this is going to happen sometimes. So don't be surprised if you use the fundamental theorem of calculus and you get 0 as a result. It's not a coincidence. It comes from the fact that the function's negative on this side and positive on this side, and otherwise the two regions are identical in shape and size. All right, let's, uh, enough of that theory. It'll come back for us on its own. Let's go do some more examples. Compute, another, way, another word for evaluate. The book likes to say compute sometimes. We're going to go from 1 to e of 4 over x dx. Now, 4 over x dx may not look familiar, but you might recall when you have a constant coefficient, that can be written on the outside, right? So I'm going to put the 4 on the outside, and then I'm going to go from 1 to e, 1 over x dx. Now, again, this is a lot, this may seem like a big jump from x cubed. And we're also going from 1 to e, which is kind of strange, isn't it? 1 over x dx. What function do we differentiate and get that? That's a special one, right? You might be tempted, don't write this, but you might be tempted to write x to the negative 1. And then when you add 1, 
you get x to the 0, and you can't divide by 0 either, right? So that's a problem that you might run across if you miss the fact that 1 over x dx is a very special integrand thing inside an integral. So 1 over x dx, what did you differentiate to get 1 over x? That's that special function, the natural log function. So this is 4 natural log absolute value x evaluated from 1 to e. Now in the next step, I write the 4, I write the natural log, and I'm going to plug e in for x because that's my capital F of b. 4 log e. In the next step, am I going to need these absolute values? e is positive, so I don't need them, right? Then I'm going to have minus 4 again, natural log, absolute value, 1. Again, turns out I don't need the absolute values on this one, but I always have to be safe and put them in to begin with. So what is 4 times the natural log of e? Natural log e, remember, that's that's taking an inverse of itself, isn't it? What exponent did you raise e to and get e? The answer is 1, right? e to the 1 is e. So the natural log of e is that thing you want to remember. It's 1. Minus 4, what's the natural log of 1? Natural log of 1, what exponent did you raise e to and get 1? e to the 0 is 1, isn't it? So that's why the natural log of 1 has to be 0. So this one also, my second thing is 0. i got to make sure that doesn't always happen, right? Okay, so I have 4 minus 0. I have 4 again as an area. Uh, Is it an area this time? I don't know. We'd have to investigate. How would we investigate that? It's definitely the definite integral, no pun intended. But is it an area? Well, do you remember what 1 over x looks like? That's this function, isn't it? I I exaggerated over here a little bit. When x is 1, y is 1, and then we go to e. And so 1 over x is non-negative from 1 to e, so that definitely is also an area under the curve from 1 to e. And then the times 4, actually, that changes my output. 4 over x, technically, is the uh, original function that I have. So when x is 1, y is 4 over 1. And, but the shape is similar, so I ignored it for a moment, didn't I? That area definitely is represented by this integral. So, so the area between 1 and e under this graph is 4 because the function is 4 over x. All right, again, area will work itself in in a lot of cases. So what I'm mostly focusing on is the fundamental theorem the mechanics of it, and then whenever I can, I'm pointing out graphically what's going on. Number four, compute the integral from negative 2 to 1, e to the t over 5 dt. Now, because the variable in the differential matches the variable in the exponent of e, that means I do want to find an antiderivative of e to the t over 5. So I'm going to go ahead and use that trick that I used in the last one. You know what that would be? Get rid of that over 5 part. That's making it difficult. So I'm going to say 1 fifth on the outside, negative 2 to 1. By the way, this is t equals negative 2 to t equals 1, e to the t dt. That'll come into play even more in the next section. 
So I have 1 over 5, negative 2 to 1, e to the t dt. Now what, ver- what function, excuse me, did I differentiate with respect to t and get e to the t? That's the nice one, right? e to the x, e to the t, those are nice functions. They're their own derivative. So I differentiated e to the t and got e to the t, didn't I? So I, my antiderivative is 1 fifth e to the t, and then I evaluate that from negative 2 to 1. So I start with my top number, and I plug it in. That's my f of b in the fundamental theorem. e to the 1 minus, now this time I'm going to make life a little easier. I'm going to put parentheses here, and I'm going to leave the 1 fifth out front, and I'm going to take e to the 1 minus e to the negative 2 like that. I could have written 1 fifth e minus 1 fifth e to the negative 2, but it's easier to just factor that 1 fifth out anyway, isn't it? So I'm just going to go ahead and write it this way. So I have 1 fifth e to the 1 is just e, and what's e to the negative 2? I have minus 1 over e squared. And I look at that for a minute and I think, you know, that's probably good enough to leave my answer like that. If I wanted to give it a common denominator for some reason, then I would multiply top and bottom here by e cubed. So I'd have e cubed minus 1, sorry, e squared, which will give me e cubed minus 1 over e squared. My least common denominator, e squared, multiply top and bottom by e squared, I get e cubed over e squared minus 1 over e squared is e cubed minus 1 over e squared times 1 fifth. And that's the definite integral. Is this one an area? I don't know, but I know on some of your homework problems and in life in general, the more you can know what's going on graphically, the better. And it's not always possible. But e to the t over 5 is very similar to just e to the t, isn't it? That graph, e to the t goes like this, right? Up from left to right. And when t is 0, e to the t is e to the 0 which is 1, right? That's why natural log of e is 1. E, oh, sorry, that's why natural log of 1 is 0, sorry. Okay, anyway, let me go back. e to the 0 is 1, so 1 fifth of e to the 0 is 1 fifth. So the 1 fifth affects my y-intercept, but the shape is pretty much the same. It's e to the t looks like e to the x, right? Now, where do the limits of the integration come from? These are called limits of integration because they tell you where you start and where you stop. Your lower limit, we call this lower limit, is negative 2, and the upper limit is 1. So where do those come into play in the graph, in the picture? Negative 2 is where you start here, and 1 is where you stop. Because e to the t is never negative on this interval, or ever, e to the t over 5 also is not, then this represents an area. So again, we have a definite integral that represents an area. And as I mentioned before, it won't always be. The second example we did did not, but the other three we've done so far have represented areas under the curve. All right, so this area here is not an easy number like 4, but it is a constant. It's 1 fifth times e minus 1 over e squared. And that's a perfectly fine way to write your answer.